Well, let's do this. Let's just have a word of prayer asking for God's presence and his power to be at work. Father, we just thank you for this moment. This is the moment we're living in. Yes, we have activities later today, even in the next hour. We're going to, have, we're going to be transitioning into lunch and family time, and that's fantastic. But Lord, help us to be able to have that ability right now just to really lean in, lean in with all of our heart, with all of our thinking. We're just going to lean in to what you're doing. Lord, these are precious moments that we can't get back. We want to make the most of this time. So Lord, we just pray for the power of your word. I pray that um, I would decrease, that you would increase, that I would become less, you would become greater. Lord, this is nothing about me. This is all about presenting your word. And Lord, we just thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Well, good morning, and I want to welcome you to Journey Church. Hey, if we have not had the privilege or the opportunity to meet yet, my name is Mike, and I do have the privilege of pastoring this wonderful community of believers that meets in this location week after week. So if you're new here today, I'm Mike, it's great to meet you. And we'll have a time right after the service. Just take a few seconds after the service. I'd love to get to meet you and learn your name. That would be wonderful. So with that being said, today what I want to do is I want to begin with a question. I want to begin with a question. It's a question that I've asked myself in the past, and it's a question I think a lot of us have asked to ourselves. Maybe even on a Sunday morning when you woke up, the alarm clock went off, or maybe it was even when you were driving in the car towards church. It could have been as late in the game as maybe it was when you were walking in the parking lot through the front doors. And the question a lot of us ask from time to time is why church? Have you ever asked yourself why? Why church? Why does the church even exist? Why do we come and why do we gather here week after week? We ask this question one way or another. We all ask, what is really going on here? Why church? And the answer to these questions is going to be the foundation for a new three-part um, series that I want to begin today. We're going to begin this new series, three parts. I'm not sure how long it's going to take to get through these three parts, but the name of the series is going to be The Purpose of Church, The Purpose of Church. And what I want to do in this series is I want to do my very best to share three, three big reasons. Yes, there are other reasons but I want to share with you three big reasons why the church. And I'm not just talking about Journey Church. I'm talking about the Big C Church. Church is all over the world. Why does the church exist? And there's really three of the big reasons. Number one, the church exists to minister to God. We must never forget that we're here to minister to God, a.k.a. worship, worship. And I want to let you know, we'll talk about this in a couple weeks, but this is the primary reason and the primary role of the church is for people to come together to worship. And we're going to look at that in Scripture. Another reason we exist is we exist to minister to believers. We're here to nurture the believer who has just started this new walk, become a new baby in Christ. Now we're going to nurture. That's our job as the pastoral staff. We're going to nurture we used to, another word for that is disciple. That's a big purpose of the church. And the third one is this. We're here for the world. We're here to minister in the world in which God 
has placed us. So here's my desire right here. Next Saturday, we have a big day all around our country. I'm not sure if you're aware of it. It's not just Journey Church, but it's churches around America. They're going to leave their buildings next Saturday, and they're going to go out into their communities, and they're going to serve. It's called National Serve Day, July 15th, okay? And I thought it would be appropriate to focus our attention on this third role of the church, that we're here to minister to the world, okay? We're going to minister to the world. And then what we'll do in the weeks ahead, and I hope you really come back for this, we'll talk, we'll circle back, and we'll talk about this ministry to God, Well, then we'll talk about ministry to believers. And here's my heart. Please listen carefully. If for some reason, and I know there's a lot of reasons, there's a lot of activities, there's still vacations to be taken, but for some reason you're unable to be here for any part of this series, I want to let you know that each week's message will be available to you online on our website, okay? It's available for you online. And I'm not saying that just so you hear my voice or hear my sermon. It's nothing about me. The reason why I really want us to focus in on these messages is because this information that we're going to be sharing in this series is foundational for who we are as a church as we move forward. Actually, if I were to go to another church, leave this church and go to another church, and I had to start all over again, this would be the series that I would teach as a new pastor. I think it's this, it's that important. And I want to make sure that we get it right, right where we are today. So at this point, what I want to do is I want to say that we need to get back to business, and we're going to take the next few minutes to talk about this ministry to the world. That's today's focal point, ministry to the world. And listen carefully. When I say the word, the world, when I say that term, the world, I want to let you know the world starts right where you live. All right, come on, Brother Mike, you're ready. Let's go. So when I say the world, it starts right where you live. Your world is your neighborhood. Your world is your your school. Your world is your workplace. The world is those people that you spend the majority of your time with on a regular basis. That's your world. And all day yesterday, the Lord just kept prompting my heart throughout the day to share with people Your immediate world, listen carefully, might be your family, your family. That might be the place where all of us needs to start. Your family, your family, your family is your world, okay? So we're going to talk about ministry to the world. And let me point this out, that ministry to the world is made up of two important parts. Ministry to the world is made up of two important parts. Ministry to... You get the point. It's made up of two important parts. And we'll give this one more shot. Ministry of the world is made up of two important parts. Listen right here. The first word is this. The first word is a word that when I say it, you're going to get sweaty palms. You're going to break out into a cold sweat, kind of like I am right now. Hey, all right. Ministry to the world. And the first word is you're going to break out in sweat. You're going to get sweaty palms. Man, things are just happening without my power today. And the first word is evangelism. That's a word that a lot of you are like, uh, automatically people are like, no, not a chance. That's not my job. That's the pastor's job. That's the staff's job, evangelism. But I want to let you know, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ,
Christ. If you've said yes to Jesus, we have this responsibility of evangelism. Has everybody got that? And we're going to help you with that. But a second part of ministry to the world is the second part is called mercy slash compassion. I was going to talk about both of these today, but as I got going, I was like, I don't want to preach long. I want to preach shorter. So next week, we'll talk about mercy and compassion. But today, we want to talk about evangelism. Evangelism, okay? And by the way, I said it was National Serve Day next Saturday. I want to let you know we as a church are going to go out into our community, and we're going to partner with an organization called Our Neighbor's Place, and we've got several projects we're going to help them out with. We're going to bless them. We're going to leave this building, and we're going to minister to them, okay? And I just want to say that um, at the end of the message today, all those who have already volunteered to be a part of that outreach, please meet with Joni and Jeff. They want to talk with you right after the service. And by the way, we still need probably one or two guys to help us do a blue-collar, or two or three women to help us do a blue-collar project, and we're going to need your help. You can see Jeff in the back, okay? So I want to get back to the message, and let's kick things off. And we're going to talk about what, what makes a majority of, majority of us really uncomfortable. We're going to talk about the big E, the evangelism. And I want you to hear me loud and clear. This is the primary ministry of the church towards the world. This is the primary ministry of the church to the world. It's called evangelism, okay? So let's take a look at it. What is evangelism, Okay. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep the cookies on the bottom shelf. I'm going to keep it super, super simple. Evangelism is simply sharing the gospel. And by the way, another word for the gospel is good news. We're going to share the gospel. We're going to share the good news with those who have not heard it. That's how simple this really is. Evangelism is we're going to share the gospel with people who have not yet heard the gospel. I want to have your attention here right now, and that is saying this. Many of you may be super surprised. Many of you may be super surprised to hear that there are people in your world. There are people in your world that have, or your sphere of influence who have not heard a clear presentation of the gospel. I want to make sure we all understand that. Yes, we send missionaries overseas, and we should. But I want to let you know there's people right in your world today who have not heard a clear, that's a key word, clear presentation of the gospel. I'll go even as far to say there's people sitting in churches today around America, around America, millions of Christians that are gathered today in churches, and I'll I'll say this, who have not heard a clear presentation of the gospel. And that's super sad to me. And I think something needs to change, okay? They haven't heard a clear presentation of the gospel. They've heard messages about how to have a better marriage, which I preach those messages, and those are important. They've heard messages on how to raise your children, great messages. I've preached that. They've heard messages on how to spend your money, use your money, important messages. I've preached those. But so many people haven't got down to the grassroots basics of everything and that is they haven't had a clear presentation of the gospel. For example, I will not do this, but if I were to call you by name, and I would say, hey, grab the microphone and run up here, 
and tell all of us what the gospel is. Let me ask you, real personal. Would you be able to come up here and in front of your peers, would you be able to say this is what the gospel is? Some of us would rather run out that door full speed, right? I know, because I was that way for many years. Like, oh, no way. I've heard that word before, but do I really know what it means? So what is this gospel that we are to share here this morning? There we go. Let's look at the gospel. This is the definition that comes from a pastor who has a lot of influence, and his name is J.D. Greer. And, hey, this would be an appropriate time if you want to take a screenshot. I want you to get this. The gospel is the announcement that God has reconciled. Not a word that we use a lot, but reconcile means there's two parties that were hostile towards one another, couldn't get along, hostile, but have been brought into friendship. So the gospel is the announcement that God has reconciled us to himself. How? He did it by sending his son Jesus to die as a substitute for our sins and that all who repent and believe have eternal life in him. That's the gospel. And that's the gospel that we need to be sharing. So what I want to do today is I want to break this down. I want to simplify it. And I want to address three questions. The first question is this, number one, why does our relationship with God have to be reconciled? Why does there need to be reconciliation between us and God? And I want to say it this way, without Jesus or before you came to Jesus, I want to let you know before Jesus, our relationship with God is in really bad shape. I want you to think about that. Without Jesus, your relationship is in really, really bad shape. And there's a verse I want to show you. There's many verses in the Bible that would show you this, but I'm going to look at one. Colossians 1.21. Paul writing to people who have become, recently became Christians, he says this. It says, this includes you who were, these are people without Jesus, you were once far away from God. You were far away from God. Without Jesus, we're far away from God. You were, everybody say those two words together. You were, really? Yes. Without Jesus, we were his enemies. Number three, we were separated from him. I mean, there was this chasm that was so wide that we didn't connect with God. And we were separated from him by our evil thoughts and our actions. So according to this verse, gang, without Jesus, our relationship with God is distant. It's far away. Our relationship without Jesus is hostile. We were enemies. Our relationship with God, we were separated from him. Why? All this separation and distance is for one reason, and it's a reason we don't really feel comfortable talking about, and that is that we're separated, we're distant from God, we're enemies of God because of one word, and the word is sin. Sin. Okay? And I want to let you know there's something we all have in common. We may be in denial. 
we may be just saying, no, that's not me, but there's one verse that says that we all have something in common. It's the next verse, and that is Romans 3.23. Paul writes these words. He says, for everyone, everyone. Just in your own way, I just, or in your own comfort, comfort zone, everybody say that together, everyone. That includes me. Everyone has what? We have sinned. We all, there we go, it's all-inclusive. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. So the reason why our relationship with God has to be reconciled is because without Jesus or before Jesus, whatever the case may be in your life, our relationship with our Creator is in really bad shape. We're separated from God. We're enemies. We're distant. And I hope by the power of the Holy Spirit today that this just isn't me speaking, but I hope that God's really beginning to speak to people's hearts, okay? Second question I want to ask today is how did God make it possible? How did God make it possible for us to be reconciled with him? God made it possible for us to be brought into friendship with him, and I'll tell you how. He did it by sending his son Jesus. He did it by sending his son Jesus to do what? to die for our sins. There's a great verse tucked away in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I want to read it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 reads this way. Paul writing to a bunch of Christians in Corinth, he says, for God made Christ. Take that in. God made Christ who never sinned. So we have this belief that Jesus came to earth and he never sinned. He was the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God made Christ who never sinned to be what? To be an offering. For what? For our sin. Isn't that really cool? God made his son Jesus to be an offering for our sin. Why? Here it is. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. Through Christ. Let me ask a question. I want to keep that verse up there, please. My question is, according to this one verse... And there are many others in Scripture that would support this thought. According to this one verse, how are we made right with God? Are we made right with God because we're good people? Are we made right with God because we do nice things? Are we made right with God because we attend church on a Sunday morning, even on a regular basis? How are we made right with God? Everybody, I want to just, everybody at once to share those two words that are underlined in the text. How are we made right with God? Everybody together? Through Christ. Through Christ. That's a hard one for us to get over. Why? Because we live in this um, culture today where we earn things. We got to do, we got to be good. We got to earn things. And we just get in this mindset even when it comes to the gospel. That I could be made right with God because I do this. I dot the I's. I cross the T's. But Paul is saying in this verse, the only made way we're made right with God. And I want us to get this, please. I pray that this makes the long trip from your head to your heart. Angel, only way we're made right with God is through Christ. Amen? Nolan, the only way we're made right with God is through Christ. And it's true of every... What are we at right now? We're about 7.5 billion people on the planet. That's incredible. All those people, 
Only way they could be made right with God is, is through Christ. Jim, through Christ. Are we getting this this morning? Carmen, through Christ. And we just got to break out of this mindset that it's works-related. It's works-related. That's why Paul says, I think it's in Ephesians, he says it's not by works that any of us can boast. It's by grace. It's by Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. So it's through Jesus. Question number three, our last question of the day. Sophie, great job. Thank you so much for being a help for me. Question number three, what steps must I take, we take, in order for our relationship with God to be reconciled? Listen carefully. God has done everything possible. Does everybody, is that clear with everyone? God's done everything possible. He sent his only son, Jesus, to come to earth for one reason, to die. He's done everything possible. I want to make sure we hear that. He's done everything possible. Nothing else has to be done, but now there's something we need to do. The ball is in our court, okay? We just received the pass. So what steps must Mike, you fill in the blank with your name, what steps must you take to be reconciled with God? And I want to look at three words. The first word is the word. Everybody say that together. Repent. I tell you what, there's a lot of churches we're afraid to talk about repentance anymore. We must never be afraid to talk about repentance. Amen? It's so important. What does that word mean? The word means this. It's a simple word that means, and we'll keep it super simple, that you have a change of mind. You have a change of mind about what? You have a change of mind about sin. You have a change of mind about sin that it's not a good thing for you. It's not good for you, but it's a, it's very it keeps you from God. And as a result of that change of mind, there's also a change of direction. So everybody got that? Change of mind leads to a change of direction. So you were heading this way, living your own life, your own way. You had this change of mind about sin, and usually it's because the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. It's not because we figure it out on our own. It's the work of the activity of the Holy Spirit. By the way, that's why we need to be praying for the Holy Spirit to always be at work in our church. And as a result, what happens is we repent, we change our mind, and we do a 180 degrees turn, and we begin to live a new way. We begin to take a new path, which leads to the second word, and that is the word. Everybody say it together. The word is believe. What must we believe? We must believe that Jesus is our Savior. I want everybody to hear that. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus alone is the one who saves us from our sin. You got it? You got it? Jesus alone is the one who can save us from our sin that separates us from God. So we got to repent. We got to believe. But here's the beauty. Here's the promise. Number three. Number three, the third phrase. Everybody say this together. Eternal life. So what's the result of repentance? What's the result of us placing our belief in Jesus? The promise is this. Eternal life. 
I want to talk about eternal life for one minute. Eternal life is not only about a quantity of life, about one day I'm going to die, and then if I accepted Jesus, I'm going to live forever. That's true. But I want to let you know that as soon as you say yes, repent, and believe, I believe that eternal life starts at that moment. Amen? It start, I have eternal life right now. Yes, one day I will leave this body and I will transition and I'll take on a, I can't wait for this day, a new glorified body. Are you hearing me? And that's why I love that we have this hope that even in the face of death, we know that this isn't all there is. We're simply, if we place our faith in Christ, we are simply going to just transition to be in our eternal state, our eternal home. That's why Paul, was, Paul wasn't afraid to die. He said, hey, to live is Christ. To die would be what? He said it would be gain. It'd be like I'm moving into the sweetness of my life. I'm going to be with Jesus. There will be no more, Revelation says, there'll be no more weeping. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more sorrow. We're going to be in the presence of Jesus. It only gets better. I want to tell us all the best is yet to come. Amen? If you have what? Repented and believed. And I want to let you know that's a quantity of life. But I also believe the eternal life is what I call a quality of life. And it's a quality of life that you don't have to wait till you die and go to heaven. It's a quality of life that you can begin to experience today. Today. Amen? It's a quality of life that is an, an entirely new basis of how you relate to God. God is no longer an enemy. He's no longer distant. But if I repent and believe, he's no longer this... God who's far away, but he's a God that's near. He's a God that's real in my everyday life. He's a God that I come to worship on Sunday morning, but he's a God that I go to work with on Monday morning. He's a God who's my friend. He's a God that when I go through challenges that are bigger than me, and when life gets difficult and hard, I'm not walking alone. I have eternal life. I have a friend. God is now my friend. And he can help me through any situation that I face. Amen? It also changes our view of how we view ourselves. See, before Jesus, it's all about me. Before Jesus, I'm the one in control. I call the shots. But this eternal life is now, Lord, it's not about me. It's about you. I live my life not for my good. I live my life to what? glorify you. I'm here to live my life to glorify God. Amen? Amen. And last of all, it changes how we view others. I don't know about you, but there's just people that get on my nerves. And I'm sure I get on people's nerves. Let's make the playing field level. But when I give my life to Christ, that all changes. I, I learn to love even my enemies. I learn to love those who persecute me. I learned to pray for them. My life and my view towards others immediately changes because I gave my life to Jesus. Amen? The eternal life is now this source where everything else flows from the gospel. Everything else flows from this relationship with God. It's no longer the way I used to live. There's a new life. There's a new life. There's a full life. 
Will it always be easy for crying out loud? No. There's going to be days when it's hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Amen? You don't have to do it alone. So, in closing, I want to say, with this being said, this is the message. This is the message that the church is responsible to share with those who haven't heard. And those people are everywhere. This is the primary ministry that the church has towards the world. That we're going to go out there and we're going to do our best to share. And some of us don't share because we think we need to know all these Bible verses. Really, no, you don't. You just need to share your story. I was once dead, but now I'm alive. Amen. I was once enemies with God, now I'm friends with God through Jesus. So in closing, I have two challenges for you. Number one, two challenges. Number one, listen very carefully. We're two minutes out from landing this plane. So listen. If you have not repented of your sins and place your belief in Jesus as your Savior, I want to encourage you to do so. It will be the best decision of your life to repent of your sins and place your belief in Jesus as your Savior please don't put that off don't put it off just don't put it off today is the day and you can do that in a church setting you do that one on one with another believer you could do that with one of your parents, your grandparents. You could do it with anyone. They can help you. They can pray for you. And number two, I want to challenge you. Don't keep the good news to yourself. We have the best news there is, and so many of us were, and myself included at times, I don't, I wanted to, I don't want to throw everyone, it's me too. Let's not keep the good news to ourselves. Folks, we can't do it. The stakes are way too high. I, w I read one pastor who said this. He said, if you knew the cure for cancer, I'm sure you would do everything you could to get the news out. Wouldn't you? If you knew the cure for disease that led to sickness, you would do everything. You would say, I will run across the face of the earth to help that person and yet we have a message that's even bigger and greater. And that is you can have eternal life. Amen? I don't think we're excited about this yet. I'm pumped. I'm excited about it. We have this message. And I want to challenge you to let's not just keep it to ourselves. But let's tell others. So all day yesterday, it was just coming to my heart throughout the day that we need to do this to our world. And we said our world is what? Our workplace, our world is our school, our world is people we hang out with on a regular basis. 
But I really felt the Lord impressing me. Tell people it even goes one step closer. And that is your world is your family. Your world is your family. And I want to challenge all parents. Is everybody listening? Almost done. I want to challenge every single parent. I want to challenge every set of grandparents to make sure your kids and your grandkids know what the gospel is. Amen? That you are the evangelist. You are the one sharing with them. That you're sitting down with your kids and you're sharing with them this is what the gospel is. You're sharing with your grandkids this is what the gospel is. Hey, that's not only my job. Let's not just wait for a Sunday morning, gang. Let's get after it right where our kids live. Amen? In our homes. And my heart's desire is that we'll be homes full of people where the gospel's being shared. And I want to let you know, Dad and Mom, you can do it. You can do it. You have what it takes to share with your kids. Grandparents, you have what it takes to share with your kids the gospel. Amen. Can I pray with can I pray for us this morning? Paul is going to keep playing. Let's just quiet our hearts for let's just give it one let's give it one minute for the Spirit of God to speak to us. Ask yourself this question before we go silent. What is God saying to me? category one you never you've never said yes you've never repented you've never said yes to Jesus but you're like yay I want to do that I, I really want to do that with every head bowed all eyes closed is there anyone here today that says you know what I want to I want to do that for the first time is there anyone you just raise your hand we won't embarrass anybody Here's my heart for everybody, that you'll take these words home. You'll discuss them with your spouse. You'll discuss them with your kids. 
Just as we were sitting up here this morning, I was thinking, you know what? I don't think either one of our boys, Grant or Nolan, I don't think they gave their life to Jesus in a service at Journey Church. You know where I think they gave their life, if I remember correctly? It was at home. Nolan's shaking his head, so I got half of it right anyway. It's at home. It's at home. We have such a power as parents to really influence our kids. So I want to just challenge parents and grandparents. Let's, let's go for it. Let's go for it. Amen. Hey, I want to thank you for being at church this morning. Oh, let's go, my man. Katie, what, what's the name? What's her name again? What's that? All right, she's ready to roll. Does that mean church is over? I think it's time. I think it's time. It is so good to have you this morning. Let's stand to our feet this morning. All right. All right, let's pray together. I love ending in prayer when we come together as one family. Let's pray this prayer the Lord Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. <laughs> forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory.